Yeah, there's money, which I think every rider with a spouse is like rejoicing because it's so much nicer to be like, I dedicate all of this time and effort into this. And look, I got something out of it other than some points for the year end. <laughs> It's, it's, it's great. It's really cool to see. You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to The Ride, a bi-weekly podcast brought to you by Horse and Rider Magazine, co-hosted by Nicole Cherico and Devin Conley. In each episode, we chat with some of the industry's top trainers, clinicians, horsekeeping experts, and professionals to share inspiring stories, training philosophies, and the importance of living your best Western horse life. On this episode of the Ride Podcast, we talk with Krista Brown. Krista is an open rider who has competed in disciplines like the all-around, pleasure, and ranch horse classes. Today, Krista is going to share her experience switching to the ranch horse classes, the trainers she's worked for, and also what it's like to be a jet-setting, traveling trainer as she lives in Ireland currently. This week's episode is brought to you by Spalding Fly Predators. Have you found a fly control solution that actually works? Instead of going after the adult flies, this year try stopping them before they hatch with Fly Predators, a preventative approach to fly control. Fly Predators are the all-natural fly control solution used by top professionals because they just work. Fly Predators kill flies before they hatch, meaning they'll never get a chance to bother you or your horses. It's not too late to get ahead of flies this summer. Call the team of experts at 877-KILL-FLY. 877-545-5359 to get started. Welcome back to this episode of The Ride. I'm Devin. I'm here with Nicole, and we are joined today by Krista Brown. Krista's a professional and open rider in a variety of disciplines. She's here today to talk about trying out a new discipline and her foray into the ranch horse classes. So we're really glad to have you here today, Krista. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm actually been looking forward to this all week. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we're so excited you're here. And Krista, do you want to tell us where you're joining from? Because it's definitely not any more <laughs> for us. Yeah, at the moment, I'm in London. Uh, my fiance is traveling for business. Uh, so I came along with him. But I do live in Ireland at the moment, although I do compete for the most part in the United States still. And by my accent, I am a California native as well. She's just a jet setting horse trainer, which is very <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're, we're really glad to have you here. So Krista, you know, we like to kick it off with just having you tell us a little bit about your background with horses. So you just said you're a California native. Did you grow up in the industry? Did you grow up showing, find it later in life? Talk a little bit about that if you would. Yeah. So yes and no. Um, my like first kind of touch of the horses that stuck with me was uh, my mom used to do Bible study and horseback riding with a, a friend from church. And they would do just like general trail riding stuff. Uh, my mom's no expert, but they would put me on the front of the saddle. And I think I just got into it from that. And then my grandma, when I was five, bought me a week of horse camp at like a local riding stable. Um, and from there, it was just like my thing. And I started riding lessons um, and just stuck with it. And you know, eventually, like around recession time, my family couldn't really support the riding lesson thing. And so I think this is really common for people, at least in the Western industry, but then that turned into cleaning stalls to pay off my lessons. And actually, um, I was so desperate for lessons at one point, 
we were searching around. I was searching around the house because nobody could pay for this lesson, but I was desperate to go. My trainer said she had time for me that day. So I found a bunch of quarters and I had like a bag of quarters and I biked across town to the barn and I paid for my lesson $40 in quarters. And I'm pretty sure that trainer kept those. <laughs> it's like a $40 in quarters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's impressive. I, Yeah, just a bunch of change. But I just, I was obsessed with it. You know, like I knew this was my thing. Um, And so then eventually stall cleaning turned into, oh, can you lunge this horse? Oh, can you ride this horse? And then assistant work. And then I really have stuck with that. And I've just been working for different trainers for a long time. So how did you get involved? You work for, like you said, you work for different trainers, but you do a lot of the all around stuff. So you do the, the pattern stuff, and then you've eventually found your way into the ranch horse stuff. You know, how did you get involved with those disciplines and, and what kind of attracted you to doing that kind of stuff? Yeah. Well, the first trainer that I rode with as a kid, uh, she was a paint horse trainer. And so as things progressed and it was like, Hey, like you show some promise. Would you like to show a horse? Um, that wasn't an option for my family to support. So it took until I was older and could make some money on my own to be able to do some showing. Um, but it started with paint horse shows and I just followed that. My first horse was a solid paint bread mare. I got her for real cheap and, you know, we showed the all around. Um, but then, uh, yeah, um, sorry, were you asking (laughs) how I got into the ranch horse? Well, just how you got into like the horse show side of it, like the all around the, you know, you're doing the ranch horse stuff, like how, how all of this kind of came about because you started with just taking lessons and then slowly kind of building your way up. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to my first shows with my solid paint bread mare that I bought. Um, I bought her as soon as I turned 18, which I wouldn't recommend as a financial decision, but it worked out okay for me. (laughs) Um, So we started doing a little bit of showing and then you know, as I was working more as an assistant, there were some open horses for me to show, um, in the pleasure in the hunter under saddle, I think mostly the hunter under saddle when I was younger, I think a lot of trainers are more willing to have you catch ride hunt seat horses for, you know, different reasons. Um, so I was doing a lot of that type of stuff, uh, got into the trail and I found like, as I was working for different people, as I was progressing through the sport, the pattern classes were really what I enjoyed. I enjoyed the horsemanship, specifically enjoyed coaching the horsemanship. Um, The trail I find super fun, but I think when I was about 20, 21, I got really fascinated with like where the pleasure horse all around industry came from. And it's like, yeah, this was initially created to see like which of these cowboys horses looks the most pleasurable to ride you know, and now it's, it's very different. You know, our horses look very different. Our horses move very different, but when the ranch horse came around, I want to say like 2015, when it really started getting popular, maybe 2018, um, I started watching it at first. I think I thought what a lot of the pleasure people thought of like, this is this kind of subpar class for the people who can't get up into the all around level of things. And then as it growed, it was like, oh, no, this is its own thing. These are highly competitive animals. They're just being trained for a different job. And I think it's become uh, more specified. And so I had an interest in it. My own side project horses, I started gearing towards the ranch side of things as I was learning it. And I found it was great for the horses I was selling because these horses were so suitable for any job. Um, Whereas if I was 
training up and selling pleasure horses, they really needed to make it as a show horse, or it was hard for me to find a spot for them and find a home for them. But these ranch horses, it's like, they make phenomenal trail horses, they make phenomenal, you know, lesson horses, they make great, you know, actual useful ranch horses and so, or a show horse. And so they kind of had all these different places they could fit. And so it made a, it was a better choice for me as a, a seller. And so then I finally had a convinced the trainer that I work for the most, Karen Qualls. She has a horse who's a great open horse, but um, his owner, a wonderful older lady, Linda Taylor, she doesn't ride him herself anymore. And so we were hauling him around to show in trail one class. And it was like, hey, like, what if we tried the ranch horse with him? And then he could go on multiple classes and then Linda has more to watch and, you know, it'd be exciting. So uh, I got to start showing the ranch with him, uh, got some lessons at horse shows from Sandy Morgan, who is a wonderful, lovely person. And uh, she kind of, I remember the first lesson I took with her was at Vegas, actually, we were showing there. And she was like, go forward, go forward. I don't care where his neck's at, go forward, go forward. And like, it blew my brain, but I just was smiling the whole time. Like that is the most fun thing ever. And yeah, that's just been the path since. I just think it's a great class. I think it's a really cool space for people that want to come into the sport and want really practical tools and really practical horsemanship. Yeah. And so you and I both just got back from the paint horse world show. I was there covering it for work. You were, you were competing and um, I come from, like we were talking earlier, from a, a real working ranch background. And that's my favorite thing with the ranch horse classes. I'm like walking around the paint horse world, talking to people like you, who you were showing Hootie, right? Who yes. Has, <laughs> you know, he's pleasure bred and he has that background, but he has transitioned so nicely into the ranch classes. I'm talking to people, you know, I talked to a gentleman who he's like, yeah, this is a rope horse. Like we had him in the branding pin last week and now we're at the paint horse world and we're you know, winning in the ranch trail. And that is the coolest part to me. I, I love that about the ranch yeah. classes. It's so open and, and diverse. And you had mentioned something before we got started about like inclusivity. Can you talk a little bit about that with the ranch class? Yeah. You know, as someone who's, I don't want to say I've been in the industry for a while cause I'm, I'm all of 28, but, like, <laughs> but you know, I started, I started as a young girl and I think all of us in APHA, AQHA, we want to see this continue. We want to see this grow. We want to see people become a part of this thing that we love. And there was a time where it kind of felt like the pleasure scene was dying, but it wasn't necessarily dying. It's just the horses were getting so competitive and so talented. It was requiring you to be in a full-time training program. It was requiring you to, you know, have that really slick outfit, which, you know, that's investment. And there's a huge barrier to entry to the sport. Now, for those that want to compete at that level, like they can step up good for them. Like, awesome. It's a lot of fun. It's really good. But for the people that are a bit more DIY and at home, and you know, they have this little horse, but they need it to be a working horse as much as they need it to be a show horse. The ranch really seems to be the answer to that to me. And I love that it's making showing and riding more accessible for people. And also, I've seen personally the rebirth of the local show, you know, showing in the paint horses. I was seeing us, our, you know, big national level, our like state level shows were still getting a lot of interest and a lot of entries, but our local shows had really died. The schooling shows that I grew up going to, they don't hold them anymore. And with the ranch, all of a sudden I'm seeing that come back and they're huge. <laughs> like, I went to a, a schooling show with a mayor that I was, 
bubbles, pop and bubbly, so register name, um, really cute little red brown double mare, but I wanted to get her seasoned. And so I thought I'd take her to the schooling show. I was in there with 25, 30 people. I can't tell you the last time I saw numbers like that at a local show. I mean, it was really great to see. And they're jackpotting him too, which is so cool. I'm seeing so many like ranch riding yeah. jackpots and people are winning like decent money at these, these ranch jackpots. Yeah, there's money, which I think every rider with a spouse is like rejoicing because it's so much nicer to be like, I dedicate all of this time and effort into this. And look, I got something out of it other than some points for the year end. <laughs> you know? It's, it's, it's great. It's really cool to see. I always kind of laugh about that because I came from the all around world too, where points were, you know, what you chased. And then I transitioned to the reigning and the cow horse. And I was like, wow, I actually paid back like some of my entry fee today. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a different world. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think the funniest things I've worked with a lot of um, uh, like riding lesson students that turned into show clients for me. Um, and it's always funny when you're having that first conversation, especially with a parent where you're like, okay, like it's going to cost about this much money. Um, it's going to take this much time. Like you need to be there a few days ahead because we need to settle the horses. And they're like, okay. And like, can she get scholarships out of this? Like, you know, are we getting some, like, what's the prize fund like? And I'm like, ooh, mm. <laughs> well, um, sometimes there's ribbons, but a lot of times there's not. Um, maybe a high point award. And it might be a, a blanket. Um, <laughs> like, it's uh, much easier for me to explain to people now when I'm like, oh, yeah, like we were at a jackpot class and we won 500 bucks. <laughs> there we go. Sorry. Um, so when you kind of transitioned over to the ranch horse, obviously having that background that you do with the horsemanship and the equitation, that pattern element, that was, I would assume probably a really easy transition. I know that myself with transitioning to like the reining stuff, um, you know, while the elements and the maneuvers are a little different, that pattern placement is, it's such an important part of the event. And I feel like having that that horsemanship background really kind of sets you up for success when it comes to that pattern placement. Can you kind of talk a little bit about the similarities and, and kind of what you're taking from your all around background and bringing into this ranch riding background? Oh, that's really interesting, actually. You know, I was thinking to myself earlier about how I think pleasure and all around kind of gets a bad rap because people watch the Western pleasure and don't understand it. They're confused by what they're seeing. And, you know, you watch classes like the horsemanship, especially, um, who was it? Uh, Sydney Swallum in 2020, she had like a 14th or 18th horsemanship pattern. She won the world with that was like phenomenal. I don't think there's a rider in the world that wouldn't watch a horsemanship go like that and go like, this is incredible. This is what I want to see. Like I, my horse at home wouldn't be able to transition like that. And that's what showing should be. It should be something incredible. But I found between the horsemanship classes and the ranch, though your ability to understand a pattern and ride an effective pattern is similar, your seat is very different. <laughs> uh, when I was first learning the ranch, I would send a lot of videos to friends who were judges or had already been showing in the ranch. And one of those people was Don Beard, um, who's an awesome, awesome judge uh, in the APHA and AQHA. But I would send him videos and I'd be like, Don, like, uh, help me figure out how to do 
this better, <laughs> you know? And he would send me feedback. Like, and a lot of times what he said is he's like, oh my gosh, like it's not horsemanship. Like you do not need to like sit up pretty with your elbows in and your, <laughs> so for me, it was a lot of learning to relax and build a stronger connection with my horse through my seat. And, um, driving because of course this horse that I'm showing right now who do you call him sensational he is a pleasure horse and so it took us I want to say six months before I really found his go button because you kind of feel bad for him he's like I've never been allowed to do that that's never been what the game was like what are you talking about and I'm sitting there like hi yeah go like, you know? and so it was a lot of like driving with my seat and sending him forward but I think what's stunning about him and um, part of why he does so well is he does have this gorgeous long stride that people just kind of stare at. And so being a pleasure horse, like he is pleasurable to ride. You could ride him on the ranch all day long. I can ride him all day long. My seat doesn't get sore. I don't get tired because he lifts his back. He picks himself up and he's a great ride. Um, the accuracy of the horsemanship is so similar to the ranch riding. Like when I say stop, I mean, stop. I don't mean stop in two steps. I don't mean stop in one step. I mean, stop you know, and that really carries over. And so those horses that are really strong in the classes, like the horsemanship, I don't see why they wouldn't do well in the ranch other than they have to learn that forward motion. Um, and I think for me as well, uh, I obviously I'm, I'm a really big on getting as much information as I can. I'm a big learner as much as I'm a coach and, uh, APHA has the horse IQ website. Um, but right before the world show, they were advertising, you could do like a judge my ride. And so send a video to the judge and get feedback. And so I wanted some ranch trail feedback. It's a class I've done really well in. Um, and I was just curious, like, how can I improve? How can I step this up on the world stage? And uh, the feedback that I got was try to ride like a rancher. Like you're, t I was taking um, poles that were in a straight line. And so you kind of needed to take them uh at an angle, like sideways, um, diagonal step over the poles. And I was taking really big sweeping routes around between those two poles because I wanted to give my horse as much room as possible, get myself a little bit straighter so I wouldn't possibly tick. And the judge's feedback was like, you know, a rancher's trying to get from point A to point B. So instead of making it pretty, you need to make it effective. You need to figure out how your horse can still be careful, but like take that more efficient path. And so uh, big keywords for me in learning the ranch horse have been like efficient, effective, practical, um, and really bringing that to my show game, which has been a lot of fun. And to be honest, it's improved my horsemanship riders because all through all this learning process, you know, in the horsemanship speed is degree of difficulty. So we still need to finish our maneuvers. We still need to have very correct maneuvers, but like go don't wait and pause for three seconds. You know, that judge has a hundred patterns to judge today, like keep it moving. Um, and my riders that have taken that critique and they've become much bolder in their horsemanship have found a lot of reward for it. So it's been interesting, the crossover between the two and how they play to each other. Um, it can be challenging at times. Uh, my horse does have a spur stop, like a lot of pleasure horses do, whereas most of these ranch horses do not spur stop. Uh, and sometimes it's my best friend because in the trail, I find it's really helpful for me being accurate when I have to ride up into a chute and things like that, but it doesn't give me that big, uh, exciting stop. Like a lot of the ranch horses had at the world show. And I love the ranch trail. Like when I started getting into the ranch horse classes, I was, um, 
using like our legitimate ranch horses and then i bought uh i call her my western pleasure dropout and <laughs> she was so fun like she was way too fast for western pleasure and sure. uh, she was perfect. Just, so, yeah exactly perfect she was so fun but like you were saying the extended lope we struggled i was like just showing this horse like no no extend 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 speed up speed up she was like how do I do this? And this is terrifying. So I would just take her out. I mean, fortunately I had access to like cattle and land and I would just like open her up, you know, out on the flat. Yeah. And we got to where she was like, this is so fun. But that switching over, especially the extended lope was, and she had a spur stop, which I did not know how to ride. So curve <laughs> for me, um, but like switching her over, that was probably our biggest uh, hurdle was the extended lope. Have you found switching a horse from like the pleasure to the ranch that you've discovered any certain um, characteristics that are tougher to retrain, so to speak? Gosh, yeah, I I totally understand what you're talking about. Uh, Hootie, you know, the horse I'm showing now, like he is a really flexible horse. Like he can kind of do whatever you want, but I... I remember just feeling all the time, especially in the extended lope where he's like, are you sure? Like he just, it just felt like he had a question mark above his head the whole time, like a little Sim character. <laughs> like, And I would say for any riders out there that are maybe in a similar process, they're working with a pleasure horse as well. There did come a day where it felt all of a sudden like, oh, you know, and now he feels more sure of the gates that I'm asking for. He knows what I'm going for. Um, you know, some way that we can improve. And I think all the horses can improve is just in that extended trot as well. Like we don't want a hunter under saddle trot where it's like a slower stride that really shows off that movement shows that kind of flick in their toe. Like they want to see the full length of the stride in the hunter under saddle where in the ranch, it's like, no, how fast can you trot from A to B? And Sandy Morgan, actually, she gave me a great visual tool of she's like just picture like you are going down the fence line and like you need to get to the end of that fence over there because it broke and there's cow coming towards it right now and you need to go block it you know and like having those visuals for me coming from the pleasure horse world of like oh no like that efficient like that hurried that right now um was really helpful to me um the other thing i find with the pleasure horses uh a lot of them aren't as quick about stuff so like a pleasure horse we're really looking for them to be super correct super accurate and so your horsemanship turns aren't typically really quick turns it's typically movement I mean there, there's never a pause to the movement there's forward motion but it's not that big rein or spin um and so I think in the ranch horses and when you're starting to transition that horse getting that like urgency into their brain it's tough for them. It doesn't come natural to them. And I think it's an aid to you, especially when you're creating an amateur horse, because I think a lot of amateurs get intimidated by these horses that have so much hurry to them. And so it's nice, I think, when you have a horse that his default is going to be quietness, his default is going to be slow it down. Because then when you have somebody who isn't looking for that much pace, that much urgency, your horse is going to respond to it. But um, I find a lot of my time as the, you know, I'm not his main trainer, but the person who's riding him, I find them often just like, hurry up, here we go, next thing, next thing. And I have to kind of get that into his brain. 
So let's transition a little bit to your current, um, I guess, lifestyle. You, you moved to Ireland. You mm-hmm. are still involved in the horse community out there, but can you kind of talk a little bit about the differences in the horse community in Ireland, which is obviously a very small country compared to being from the United States where we yes. have such a diverse and large horse community um, and kind of what you're doing while you're over there. I mean, are, do they have ranch riding classes? Are you introducing ranch riding classes to those horse shows? Like what's going on over there? Yeah. So um, as you said, Ireland is much smaller than the United States. Um, but the first thing I wanted to do when I moved there is figure out how to get in touch with the horse industry. And I honestly wasn't sure if a Western industry existed, if there was any interest in it, but I found the Irish Quarter Horse Association um, and I got in touch through Facebook and I was just like, Hey, like, this is who I am. This is some of what I've done. Like I'm new here. Can I get involved? How can I get involved? Are people showing there? Um, and it, it's, it's much smaller. You know, we have one national show a year, um, but we did just send a youth world cup team to Texas. And so we had an Irish youth world cup team out there and I got to do some coaching with them, which was really neat. Um, but for a lot of these kids, that was the first time they've shown at a like Western horse show, <laughs> you know, which you like a world level, you know, so it's, it's a lot of big transitions for them. Um, what I find in Europe in general is you see in the all around classes, horsemanship equitation, they're using a lot of reigning horses. And so I believe that the ranch is going to become really big over there. Uh, for a lot of the reasons we've talked about, I think when people are picturing the western industry in their head and wanting to ride western horses i think they're all thinking of yellowstone and i think the ranch horse classes fit that image a lot more and create a great space for them um but like one of the students i'm working with uh, her name is neve um she's amazing talented and she's been a really successful jumper in ireland uh jumps things i wouldn't even consider (laughs) like she's great and she's got really talented horses um but she you know, got interested through IQHA and the Youth World Cup and started doing some lessons with me and we started doing the horsemanship. And I actually thought she had a really interesting thought process. She told me, you know, we're looking at buying her her first quarter horse. And she's like, I want to start in the horsemanship because I think it's a good foundation, like dressage. And then I'll step up into more ranch reining type stuff. And I was like, okay, yeah, <laughs> I actually really like that for you. That's really cool. I, so a while back pre this job, I was helping run horse shows, um, kind of doing that freelance stuff that you're doing right now, where you just kind of help, help people, you know, where you can. And one of my friends was running the youth world cup. And so I had the chance to go help and work it and run it. And I, I mean, there was a lot that happened that weekend, but I remember the Irish kids more than anything. Cause those guys, really? they could ride. Oh my gosh. Could they ride? Like, and they were fearless. They were getting on these horses that, you know, didn't actually know what they were doing. Cause right. The world <laughs> cup for those that aren't familiar, donated like horses. they're, they're yeah. donated horses and they, while they do get some nice horses, they also get horses that I don't, they're not bad horses. They just don't do those events. Right. And they're not um, familiar with what right. being asked of them typically, typically. Right. And, <laughs> um, you know, I, I think at least whenever we ran it, like they try to space out the horses. So every team gets at least one, like 
nice horse that knows what they're doing. And then, you know, um, but man, those Irish kids, they would get on those horses and they would just ride them. And I, I loved watching them. They were my favorite and they were so, so, so kind. Oh, it's so fun that you say that for me to hear because, um, what I found, so I got to do a like mini clinic with the youth world cup team about a week before I left for the paint world, but I think they were about two weeks out from their horse show. Um, but anyway, it was so fun to coach like eight young girls that were so enthusiastic about the sport and wanting to learn. And it seriously felt like any information that I put out, it was like, they just lapped it up. Like they were just so eager to get, uh, in good information. And so I remember talking to them about the trail and I seriously started with like little baby basics. And I was like, you know, this jog is a three foot jog. And so you need to have a three foot jog stride and your lopes are going to be six foot lopes. You need to have a six foot lope stride and, you know, talking about coming in straight to your poles and, you know, how that's going to give you that, you know, and there's a stride rule if the poles are straight, like just little bitty basics. They all sat there. I mean, intently listening the whole time. And I don't know if you've coached a lot in the States. Sometimes lessons are like that. And sometimes they're not so much. And, you know, I think it's just, it's much harder for the Western sport enthusiasts out there to get um, great clinicians or people who have a lot of experience showing because it's not available widely out there. And so they have great coaches that are, are, pouring their hearts into teaching the Western sport, but they're not as well-versed in showing and what, you know, showing horses is going to be like. And so I think for them to have coaches out there with that experience, is just so valuable. And yeah, they're all super kind, super enthusiastic, and they're not afraid of their horses. I mean, I find a lot of horses, like just the little bit of time that I've spent in Europe, I find a lot of the horses are naughtier than some of the horses I've experienced in the States, just with little stuff. Like, I think they're just more tolerant of like the horses are in the cross ties pawing or stuff like that, where I'm like, yeah, he doesn't have to do that. <laughs> like, you know, or, uh, they have issues with trailer loading and things like that. Whereas when you are in the all around sport here, so many of the horses are with a trainer full time. And so you don't see behavior issues come up like that as much. And so I think these, at least the kids that I've met, um, especially in Ireland, they have to do so much of that themselves. They're really well-versed horsemen and women. Yeah, it's, it's, I obviously have not lived in Europe, but just from what I've uh, learned and spoken to people who are from there and, and maybe moved to the States, um, you know, cause like obviously the reining industry has a very big European presence and it's yes. continuing to grow. So I have the opportunity in my current job to be able to talk to a lot of people that came from Europe now live in the United States. And, uh, it sounds like, you know, for the most part, like, yes, there are horse trainers out there and yes, people do put their horses in training, but for the most part, a lot of people keep their horses, you know, at, barns like boarding barns you know at their own house I mean they're trailering their own horses you don't see these big rigs like you do out here where you put 12 horses in a trailer you know everybody has you know their own little van or you know I mean it's so different out there and but also at the same time really cool and I love that you're getting to experience this because I don't think a lot of people have that opportunity to be able to come from the United States and come from the showing background that you have at the level that you have, and then 
you know, take that experience and then move it over to Ireland and, and help those kids, but also learn stuff yourself. Like you said, like you, those kids, because they do it themselves, they are little horsemen and women and they're <laughs> yeah. tough little riders and they're going to work through it because they don't have the ability to get off their horse and hand it to a trainer. So I think that's so cool. Yeah. It, it honestly reminds me a lot of like the barrel racing community here. You know, I, the kids I've spoken to that have gotten into the barrel racing, you know, they, mom and dad and them, they get the horse trailer, they toss the horse in and they go down to the barrel race, you know? And I think it's very similar here with the horses. Um, and so it's different. Like, I think it's sometimes a tougher path for them with their horse to get the goals achieved that they have in mind you know if you have a horse that's struggling with a pivot it is a much quicker path to send it down to the horse trainer and have that trainer get the pivot put on the horse and then put you on and then you know learn it together whereas when you have a lot more of a DIY situation like you will gain a lot from the learning process but it's going to take you longer and both of those paths are good and fine and right it's just what works for you. And so what's working for them is more that DIY situation. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. I love hearing about different cultures and how things go. And even like here coming from a rodeo background, when I came into the show world, I was like, it was so foreign to me that people, <laughs> they just sent their horse to a trainer and that's where the horse stayed for extended periods of time. Cause like you said, like in rodeo, you might send them to a trainer for 30 days, but typically like you're hauling them, you're riding them, you're exercising them. And so it's just really neat that the horse industry is so diverse and we all do things like so differently. Um, I just love that. And especially internationally, but, um, yeah, it's, it's awesome hearing about Ireland and all the different things that you've done. Um, we're really happy that you joined us today. I could talk about ranch horses for the rest of the day. <laughs> Um, but can you just kind of wrap up, uh, our interview here by telling us like, what's next for you? Do you have anything coming up? And then if people want to follow along with your journey as a trainer, a rider, a, a international jet setting horse trainer, uh, where they can find you like online. Gosh. Yeah. Well, next thing for me is we have the zone one Idaho paint horse show coming up. Um, we'll be showing, I'll be showing call him sensational there. And working for Karen Qualls, supporting all of her lovely clients. Uh, and then after that, oh gosh, and I actually am doing an instructor assessment here in Ireland because you have to be certified um, in order to be insured as a riding instructor. So I do that next weekend. Uh, wish me luck. <laughs> um, and yeah, then, good luck. Yeah, thanks. And uh, as far as social media goes, um, I'm, I'm somewhat selfish with my social media. Like I don't post all the time. I only post when it's fun for me. Um, but you can find me at Krista D Brown at, on Instagram, uh, TikTok, all of those things. Um, awesome. Well, yeah. Thank you again for coming on here and talking with us. We so enjoy getting to learn more about you, your life, uh, your transition to the ranch horses and living in Europe. Um, but thank you so much. Oh, it's been great getting to know you guys. I so appreciate it. And I can't wait to read the comment section where people are like, Krista who? Um, but thank you so much. <laughs> oh, they're going to know. They're going to know after this for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is my uh, my start, my international writing superstar moment. <laughs> Debut. I love yes, it. Yes, yes. This week's episode is brought to you by Spalding Fly Predators. Thank you guys for tuning into the Ride Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Follow Horse and Rider Magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com to see all the cool things that we're up to. And if you have any comments or questions, please be sure to hit us up at horseandrider at equinenetwork.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're listening to, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes.